Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. Take your seats, amen, tonight, amen. How many are ready for the word? All right, some of us. I said, how many are ready for the word, amen? Amen, look at your neighbor and tell them the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you tonight, amen? (laughs) Amen. If you're taking notes, I titled this, Why Sit Here Until We Die? Why sit here until we die? How many know we just came out of conference? Amen. And we got inspired. I mean, you hear our pastor's messages coming and it's like fire, fire. But sometimes we can just sit down still like nothing, just an emotional roller coaster. But how many know God desires more from us? Second Kings chapter seven, verse three through 16. It says, now there were four lepers sitting outside the gates. And this is where I get the title from. Why sit here until we die? They asked each other. Verse four. We will starve if we stay here, and we will starve if we go back into the city. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Syrian army. If they let us live so much, the better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyways. So that evening, they went out to the camp of the Syrians. It says, but there was no one there. Verse 6, for the Lord had made the whole Syrian army hear the clatter of speeding chariots and a loud galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried out. Verse 7, so they panicked and fled into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else. When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went in the tent after one another, eating, drinking wine, and carrying out silver and gold and clothing and hiding it. Verse 9, finally they said to each other, this isn't right. This is wonderful news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Even if we wait until morning, some terrible calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Verse 10, so they went back to the city and told the watchmen that what had happened. They had gone out to the Syrian camp, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys, it says, were tethered, and the tents were all in order, but there was not a soul around then the watchman shouted the news uh, to the, those in the palace. Verse 12, the king got out of bed and told his officers, I know what has happened. The Syrians know we are starving. So they left their camp and have hidden in the fields thinking that we will be lured out of the city. Then they will attack us and make, our, make us slaves. Amen. Verse 13, one of his officers replied, we better send out scouts to see. Let them take five of the remaining horses. If something happens to the animals, it won't be any greater loss if they stay here and die with the rest of us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing, God, and what you're going to do, Father. I pray, strengthen my voice, God. Lord, let me step aside and use me tonight, my God, to encourage my God, to challenge, Father God, but most importantly, God, that we will realize that you didn't just call us to come and sit in church, God, but there are great things you want to do through every one of us. We come against distractions, Lord. Let us focus on you, and Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, and we're careful to 
give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everyone said, amen and amen. So here we find the story. It says four lepers, amen. They were sitting in front of the city wall. You know, for those of you, they were posted up. For those of you who could understand it a little better, amen. The enemy came by and looked at them and said, oh, they're nobody. And kept riding through. And now they're at a place when they're there, there was a famine taking place. And they were there and they said, you know what, we're going to die anyways. I'm, I'm giving you the whole story, amen. But if we read in chapter 6, amen, it goes on and it says what took place before this. In chapter 6, we find the story of the king, Ben-Hadad. He took over the city in Samaria and he took all the food. And in verse 25 of chapter 6 in 2 Kings, it says the conditions had reached such a state that people were actually selling donkey heads and donkey dove, dove dung for food. Hello, somebody. How many want some tacos, dub dung? Amen. That's what they were selling. It got so bad that they were just selling. They says they were selling donkey heads. I mean, that's cool because, you know, some of you get the, the cabezas. Amen. You eat that. So you're like, all right. But then when they say the dung, you're like, no, that's not for me. Amen. And, and so if they, were, they were not looking good for the people of Samaria. No one in, inside the wall can go outside and get food because there was a famine. So the story goes on and it goes into chapter 7. And it said there was a famine. But but you find four lepers who decide on this day that they would do something different in spite of what society has labeled them. Think about that. Lepers, they were there and, and they were told. I mean, when they had, went out, they had to shout, leper. They had to dress in bright colors for they can be identified and nobody would get around them. I mean, that almost sounds like us when we were lost in the world. What did society tell you? Maybe you were a drug addict and they said, once a drug addict, always a drug addict. You'll never change. Or maybe you heard that God can never use someone like you. Or, or you heard, hey, you're always going to be messed up. Amen. So when we look at this story, we could identify with them. At least I can. Amen. Because before God found me, amen, I didn't have leprosy, but I was like that where nobody wanted to get around me. Amen. And, and, and so were you whether you want to admit it or not, amen. So we find a bunch, four crippled leopards, and they're sitting outside the city gate, and it's written that nobody knew about them before, but because this incident, now they're written in the Bible, and everybody knows about them. Four leopards, because of the decision they're about to make that day, changed their life around. I mean, our choices change our circumstances. You don't have to be a leopard no more, amen. You don't have to be struggling no more. You don't have to say, well, God picked somebody else because God didn't make a mistake when he selected you, amen. God didn't make a mistake when he said, son, daughter, I called you by your name. And you're like, God, but I can't get it straight. That's okay. Just keep doing what God's called you to do and let God work out what he needs to work out in your life. The question here, they said, what do we do now? I mean, no, that's like an everyday question. What do I do now? I went to church. God cleaned me up. What do I do now? Some of you are sitting here and you're like, man, I don't want to volunteer. Then you're going to die. That's why they said, why, why would you just sit here and die? I mean, no, that's what happens when we don't volunteer in a church. You die. Because God's given you gifts on the inside. And the only way to unwrap those gifts is when you start participating and volunteering in the church. And then your gifts start uh, coming out. 
But sometimes we say, well, that's not my gift, so I'm not going to volunteer in the kids. It doesn't matter. That's not how it starts. Because if you ask everybody what your gifts are, some people even name things, and that's not even a spiritual gift. Or they have like 20 of them. They got all the gifts. In reality, they don't only have one or two. But you start finding out when you start volunteering. Let me volunteer in the ushers. Let me volunteer, amen, in the parking lot. I don't want to be in the parking lot. I want to hear the service. No, when you're in the parking lot and you smile, somebody's going to come in with a breakthrough. They're going to see your smile on your face, amen. And then all of a sudden when the altar call comes, God is going to transfer their lives. All because you volunteer. Amen. So it says, if, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die also. And if we sit here, we die also. Three choices they had. In, in verse 4, it says they either enter the city. They were there. They said, hey, we're going to die staying out here. We're leopards anyways. They, and so they said, they just go to the city. Uh, starvation and famine. The city was a place of death. There was no hope for them if they entered in. I mean, no, God's called us to go into the cities, amen. God's called us to go into the neighborhood. God's called us to go into different parts of the city. And and, and that's part of our reach, teach, mend, and send, amen. And and we got to reach them. How many of us forget to witness to people? And God puts them in front of you wherever you go, the market, the coffee shop, the same person and the Holy Spirit. Tell them something. No, I don't want to tell them. Bring hope to our cities. You know, the population here in La Mirada is 47,000 people. The population in Whittier is 83,000. In La Habra, it's 60,000. In Fullerton, it's 136,000. In Brea, it's 47,000. In Buena Park, it's 84,000. That means souls, amen, that are going to hell because we are not reaching out to them. I don't know if you could understand that. You hear our pastor talking about reaching out and and going and and making a difference, and not only in our communities, surrounding cities, even at your job, amen, even at the market, even at the laundromat, amen, even at the coffee shop. Are you witnessing? So the first choice, enter the city. The second choice, sit still. I mean, that's not much of a choice. Some of us do that in church. Well, I'm not going to volunteer. I'm just going to go to church. I'm just going to sit still. And by sitting still, it meant death. They, had, uh, uh, they couldn't sustain their life. Amen. And, and, but how many know once you've been touched by God, you can't sit still? I don't know about you, but when I was touched by God, I couldn't sit still. I, every, whenever the doors were open, I was there. Why? Because God did something in my life. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, the message says, just look at your own calling, believers. Not many of you were considered wise according to human standards. Not many powerful or influential, not many of high and noble birth. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things.
world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are. Then verse 29, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God, but it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God. So this is saying here that we understand because a lot of times you hear that, oh, I'm not ready. How many have said that? I'm not ready or, or God used somebody else. I'm still struggling. Well, this says that God chose the foolish people of the world. Look at your neighbor. Don't they look like a fool? No, don't look too hard. Amen. And it says God has selected for his purpose. Stay the course. How many could say amen? God didn't make a mistake when he chose you. Oh, but you don't understand. I've been running from God. That's fine. God still chose you. You're going to realize you can run wherever you want to go. But God, wherever you go, God is there. David says that wherever I go, God, you are with me. You can't run from God. That's why you get frustrated. And then he says the reason why he chose the foolish people, the insignificant things, he says, that way we can't get the glory. We can't stay here and say, oh, I did this on my own. No, God threw me, shaping me and molding me and still shaping me and molding me. It has nothing to do with it. If it was me, I would have messed it up a long time ago, amen. If it was you, you would have messed it up a long time ago. You got to let God come in and God work through you. But the question is nobody wants to do that no more. They were outcasts. Many today, they choose to sit still because they think they're an outcast. I'm going to mess up again. Or how many know fear will get you like that? Some of you mess up on purpose because you're afraid of the call of God. God, I pray for things and it happens. God, you show me all this stuff and it happens. And then you back up. Well, I don't want that responsibility. I'm going to mess up. Uh, when I first got saved, man, things will happen. So God, I don't want it. Uh-uh. I just came to church to get off dope and raise a family. That's why I came to church. That was it. But God says, no, I called you with the purpose. Amen. And, but a lot of us don't understand that because when we look at ourselves, we, we see the person that is all messed up. We, we see the person that is struggling. We see the person that is conniving. We see the person that's playing church. We see the person that's just sitting down. And, and here, what the, what the leopards had to do, they had to get off their seat. Look at your neighbor, Tom. Get off your seat. That's a nice way of saying it. John 1.12 says, I'm a child of God. I mean, no, you're a child of God. You got to get that in your system, amen? When you look in the mirror, don't look at yourself. Say, God, you called me. You saved me. I'm a child of God. John 15, 15 says, I'm a friend of Jesus, amen? How many of you know Jesus is your friend? That means you can talk to him. That means you can share with him. That means when you're feeling all messed up, you can run to him. How many of you know we, Romans 3, 24, I've been justified and redeemed. Romans 8, 17, I'm a, I am a fellow heir with Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, I am a new creature in Christ. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look what is new has come. You're not the fool you were before. You may still see that fool because you know the real you. But as long as we're, we're on here on earth, that fool's going to be there. 
I mean, I, I got that fool in me when I act up. My wife gives me that look, you know, like, right, I got to, you know, I got to back up, man, you know. We all have it. It's called the flesh. But you have to look at yourself and say, that person is dead. So why do I keep bringing them back to life? If the word of God says the old man has died, why do you keep bringing them back to life? Think about that. The Bible says that's dead. When you got saved, that old man is dead. So why do you keep going to the graveyard to bring them back? The third thing was they plead for mercy. They said, well, we'll go in there to the enemy and we'll flee to mercy. And so that's a sign of surrender. They were saying, we're just going to go, God, we're going to surrender to your plan. Because how many know God was working in this whole process here? God was the one there. They went through rejection their whole life, amen, with leprosy, uh, certain things they had to do. And these four men were there one day. And they were so messed up that when the king went by them, he thought, oh, you guys can't do anything to me. How many know when we look at our past, we can't do nothing to the enemy? But when we look to our future and we understand that we are a new creation, amen, we can destroy whatever the enemy is trying to build inside our lives. And now we need men and women are going to say, I'm not going to stay sitting down in the church. It's time for me to stand up. It's time for me to volunteer. It's time for me to say, man, whatever the church needs, I'm there. When's the last time you said that? Four men sitting at the gate with leprosy. They always sat there. They did the same thing every day. No vision, no purpose, no future. In other words, they settled for second best. I'm always going to be a leper. Let me just sit here. That's it. They sat there. Doesn't say any names. And that's good because we can put ourselves there. Amen. Well, before I got saved, I was all messed up. Nobody, they look at me, oh, you're never going to, even when you got saved, oh, that's not going to last. How many of they told, told you that's not going to last? And then you're doing right things, and then all of a sudden there's a famine. It feels like the enemy comes in and steals everything, and you start saying, man, what, what's going on here? That's what was taking place here. They ripped off. But how many know in, in great famine and in great tribulation, that's where the power of God shows through. So if whatever you're going through tonight, I want to encourage you. That just means it's making room for the supernatural power of God to take control of your circumstance. But the question is, why are you still sitting there? I got a few points there. The first point is why are we sitting here until we die? That's what they said. Why sit here till we die? And a lot of us, we came from the conference, fired up, emotions. Now you come here and you find yourself in the same place again, sitting down. Some of you sit on this side because you don't like the person on that side. You're sitting down. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's my seat. You didn't buy it. Get mad when somebody sits on your seat. That's another message. Some of you are like, just keep preaching, man. Keep preaching. So this day they chose to do the unthinkable. They grabbed their canes and they hobbled towards the enemy's camp. What made them do something different? Because, I mean, they had leprosy. They were, I mean, they, you know, you're like, man, you know, when you get up in age, your walk changes. Hello, somebody. Some of you know what I'm laughing at. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> So what was the difference that day? The difference was they were hungry. 
There was a famine, and, and they were hungry for food. But, but it's, God is using this story to show us that when we're hungry for the things of God, we're willing to do anything. How many ever went to the market when you're hungry? I mean, that's the worst thing to do, right? Because you put everything in there. Then when they raise the bill, you know, if you ain't got that much money, and they tell you, oh, wow, you look, well, what can we take out? Right? Take out those Oreos, take out those ding-dongs, everything sweet you got, right? Don't lie. You take the fruit, the healthy stuff out. You keep those and take them home. Come on now. How many know when you're hungry, you'll try anything? Right? When you're hungry, you open the refrigerator. You don't care what it is. You'll mix it together and put it in a tortilla, and then you eat it. Hey, that tastes good. Why? Because you're hungry. I mean, no, when you're hungry, your focus changes. Right? I'm on a mission. I'm going to get something to eat. Well, let me, let me just add a little of this. Let me add a little of that. And, and then you eat it, and you say it's good when it's horrible because you don't want everybody to see. I told you, you were, it was going to taste ugly, so you eat it anyways. How I many know when you're hungry, you don't think the same? All you think about is satisfying your hunger. Some of you right now are hungry and say, man, when's he going to finish? <laughs> I hear your stomach's growling. How many know some people get hangry when they're hungry? They get angry. I call it hangry. I go to eat with people, and, man, I see people, they want to snap, and I say, somebody give them chips or something. They're, they're hangry before they start manifesting here. <laughs> How many know hunger makes you do weird things, man? How many of you are starving, then you go to a restaurant, and you order extra food because you, you're hungry, your eyes see bigger, but then you take home a lot of food? Why don't we do the same thing for the things of God? God, I'm hungry for you. Whenever the doors are open to the church, I'm going to be there, God. Whatever they need help with, I'm going to volunteer. Why? Because I'm hungry. I want to get fed spiritually. Some of us can do without physical food. Amen. We need to drop a little pound. Stop blaming it on the COVID, right? Oh, this is COVID weight. Stop it, man. <laughs> so here it says, they said, let's go to the enemy's camp. The, the, to the enemy's camp. And they said, what do we have to lose? Some of you, God's given you great promises. Some to start a business. But you're like, no, I don't want to do that, man. No, I mean, what do you have to lose? For some, it's getting a job. Well, see, some of you say, oh, I rebuke that. Like, come on now. That's why you don't read the book of Job, because you think it says jobs. Or, no, no, I'm not going there. Right? What do you have to lose? Go get a job. Oh, I'm praying for a $30 an hour job. You don't even have skills. If you want a job like that, go back into school. Get trained. Get qualified. Amen. And then go there. Don't say, well, I'm praying. No, what are you doing on your part? Some of you, I mean, what do you have to lose? Start to tithe. See, some of you think I just cussed at you. Start tithing. Oh, but then I won't have money to eat. That's okay. You need to lose weight. Give, start tithing. What about get involved? What do you have to lose if you get involved? They're going to use me up. So what are you saying? You let the devil use you up, and now you come to church, and you don't want to let God use you? Something's wrong with that mindset. You're not hungry enough. Because when you were hungry in the world, you did anything, right, to, to, to score? 
You stole that bike, right? You, you, you stole, you broke into that house. You went to your family's house, your mom's house, and ripped them off. No morals at all. But now we come and all of a sudden, oh, I'll, I'll volunteer, but I don't like that person that's over it, so I won't. In the world, you didn't, you didn't like the connection, but you went there because you needed it, because you were hungry. Getting quiet, huh? What about becoming an usher? What about record a music CD? Some of you have been wanting that for a long time. Let me make a CD. What are you waiting for? Playing instruments. Some people know how to play instruments here, and you're undercover. And you, oh, they're good enough, man. And, ah, oh, we don't need to do it. Why? You know how much more uh, a greater song once we get wind instruments in here? Saxophone, trumpet, flute, carinet, viol violin. A full orchestra? That's like a whole nother level. Oh, but I don't want to tell them I play an instrument. Why? You gave everything in the world to the enemy. But all of a sudden, I, I don't want to give it to the Lord. What about going and evangelizing on your own? When's the church going to evangelize? You don't need the church to go. Get some flyers from the table in the back and carry them wherever you go. When you see somebody here, I just want to let you know, man, Jesus loves you. And smile. <laughs> don't mad dog them. Oh, I want to have a great marriage. Then what's keeping you? from having a great marriage because you're sitting down still. You don't want to get up and change. I want to be the best parents I can be. I, I want to be the best children I can be. I, I, I want to stop talking about our pastors. Some of you have tacos of pastor every, every, every service. You get got quiet on that one, huh? In other words, what they were saying is, I'd rather die trying than not try at all. So many of us, we come to church, and God, I can't do that. I'm all messed up. And God is saying, all I want you to do is just walk towards the enemy, amen, and let me do what I do. Some of us are not walking. Oh, I can't do that. I'm just a leopard. And God said, go back in there where there's a famine because I'm going to use you to bring life to that famine. But you've got to believe in me. That leads me to my second point. You must take action. You must tell, tell your neighbor, talk is cheap. You must take action. How many ever seen a fight where they say, you hit me first? No, you throw the punch. No, you. And they're like 10 minutes. You're like, somebody just throw a punch. I'm going to go hit you then. You know, it's like, come on. You know, it's like, uh -uh. They, they didn't have to tell me through the first punch. Whether I won or lost, I got one in. You know, it's like, uh, -uh. You know, but it would, a lot of us don't want to take action. Oh, God, I pray that the door opened up for me to preach. Preach to the children. Hello, somebody. If you can hold their crowd, you can hold anybody's crowd. It got quiet, huh? We, were, we did every ministry in our church from babies. Back then, we had to change diapers. That was horrible, you know. I had to learn because I didn't even change my own kids' diapers because they were small, you know. And then I had to go in there like, man, God, what's going on, you know. Reproduce yourself. Go to the next ministry. Reproduce yourself. Go to the next ministry. Taking action. Oh, God, if, if you only gave me a break, God said, I've given you a breakthrough. I've given you a new person. 
Oh, God, but if everything was perfect. No, everything was perfect for Adam and Eve, and they still messed up. They were with fellowship with the Lord already. They were one with the Lord. And because sometimes we say, oh, look, at they, they're doing it because they have it. No, it has nothing to do with that. You have to get up off your seat and take action. you got to say, man, time is short. The world is coming to an end, God. Don't let me just sit here and say, I wish I would have done that. Let me step out and take action and say, I'll volunteer for that. Oh, Lord, use me. When's the last time you said that? says, they went out to the camp of the Syrians. The king rode right past the four most dangerous people in that town. See, you don't look like you're dangerous right now. You don't even know how to comb your hair. Amen. But when God sees you, he's already said, that, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. He's going to uh, knock down kingdoms. How many know the devil should have killed you when he had a chance? The enemy had a chance to kill those four lepers right there. But he said, no, they're always struggling. They're always messed up. And he went right past them. Tell your neighbor the devil should have killed you when he had a chance. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Oh, no, because then I have to get up out of my seat. That's all right. We're taking action. Amen. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are a child of the king. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. And so you have to understand that you walk with power, even though you don't feel like it at times. They were lepers, all messed up. But they were still moving. Amen. And they were going to the enemy. They were lepers washed in his blood. Amen. And so, so they were here and they're going forward and they're walking there. And verses 6 and 7, it says the camp is empty. They made a choice. They didn't know the camp was empty. They made a choice. You know, we're going to die here struggling. Let's just go and see what's going to happen. Some of you ain't even giving God a chance. You're not. You fight more with God than you do the enemy. I don't want it, God. No, pick somebody else. I'm not ready, God. I got to deal with it. God knows what you got to deal with. He created you. The camp is empty. But look what it says. It says, for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. How many know when we go forward for God, all of a sudden when we start walking in the supernatural, amen, it's like a great, great anointing that's coming there. It's like noise of chariots. It's like an army is behind us. It's noise of the horses. And the enemy was there, and they said, man, they, they got the whole army to come and fight us. It was just four messed up people. Four. I mean... When we came to the Lord, we, before, we were all messed up. Some of you had four people in you. <laughs> they had momentum. How many know when we move with God, there's momentum? And how many know that momentum is here now for living word, amen? Not only this living word, throughout, amen, uh, the different places, our different churches, you, you see the momentum taking place. You, you see the shifting in the spirit. You see the thickness of the anointing of God. Why? Because men and women are rising up and say, I'm getting out of my seat and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. You want power? You want breakthrough? Get up off your seat 
and do what God's called you to do. What are people hearing about your church? But our church. You go there and lives are transformed or do they see your life? I don't want to go to that church. What are people hearing about you? Every time you get around them, you want to complain or you're telling them about the power of God. Man, you got to go to our services because the anointing is thick. Amen. And, and God is healing people and God is delivering people. And, and why? Because there's momentum taking place. Amen. I don't know if you see it, but the only way you're going to see it is if you get off your seat. Some of you are sitting down. What's going on here? <laughs> Revival. Why do you think pastor came out with the theme, uh, staying the course? Because people can get lost in revival. People can get lost when God is moving the greatest. Because they stay sitting down. And my third point, when it is God's timing, the supernatural takes place. It was God's timing for them to go back into that city. And when they, they went, they're hobbling and they're like, they, they probably took a long time to get there. They were old. They didn't have bikes or motorcycles back then. They just walked there. But yet when they started walking, all of a sudden the supernatural started taking place. God was saying, they may be all messed up. Society may see these four lepers with, oh, you're hopeless. You're never going to do nothing. But when they start stepping to go attack the enemy, I'm going to anoint them. I'm going to put a supernatural power on them that the enemy's not going to know what to do. Some of you have been praying for breakthroughs, but you're still sitting down. The breakthrough don't come until you get up off your seat. Like James Brown says, get on up. <laughs> you start dancing. I might hurt myself, though, man. <laughs> so here we find the whole story of them. And God is amplifying the sound of their footsteps. They're going and all of a sudden the enemy's there and, and their enemy's like, what's going on here? We read the story. It was four messed up people, man. But because they're moving, all of a sudden, God puts an anointing on them. And the key word here is surrender. They surrendered. What do you mean they surrendered? They said, even if we go in and they kill us, we're going to die anyways. How many know we can't give 99.5%? You're going to die. In the world, you gave 110 and then you come and get saved and, oh, that's all I can give. You, that's not all you can give. You can give more. Tell your neighbor, you can give more. Tell them all you got to do is surrender. And that was in verse 4, 2 Kings 7. If we say we'll enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. We shall die there. But then they said, now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we'll die. In other words, that's it. I ain't got no plan B. Too many of us have plan B, all the way to Z. Some of you have even made up your own alphabet. You got so many plans. What they're saying here, no, this is my only plan. I'm going to go for it. If I die, I die. Some of us don't even have that attitude. Oh, God, I'm going to give you, oh, but the enemy's hitting me. I don't want it. God, this doesn't work. How I many know it works? Serving the Lord works. Tell your neighbors, serving the Lord works. Tell them again because they, they don't want to hear you. Tell them, serving the Lord works. If you give them 
I don't want to. I'll give 100% when it's the people I like. No, God's not going to put you with people you like. He's going to put you with people over you that rub you the wrong way for that ugliness can get out of you. Some of you are like, I ain't got no ugliness in me. When you get home, look in the mirror. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> How many know when we surrender to God's plan, the enemy panics? It says that in verse 7. So they panicked and fled into the night, abandoning their tents, horses and donkeys and everything else. Think about that. They panicked. They would have got faster on the horses. But they left the horses there. How many know fear will do that to us? Fear will put us in a panic and we don't use the things of God that God has for our lives. Because you're afraid to do what God has called you. The enemy was in such a hurry that they even left their horses. Now, B, God will always supply over and beyond. In verse 8, it says, And when these lepers came to the utmost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried the silver, gold, raiment, and went on and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent and carried them also, and they went to hid it. They went in, they got food, they got all the gold and everything, then they started hiding stuff. Nobody was there. But I thank God for the next verse. Verse 9, Finally they said to each other, This isn't right. This is wonderful news, and we're, we aren't sharing it with anyone. Even if we wait until morning, some terrible calamity will certainly fall upon us. Let's go back and tell the people at the palace. I thank God for men of conviction, women of conviction that yield to it. Not just get convicted and not yield to it. They yield to it. They were hiding it. How many know that? That's the old man. That's the dolphin. Hey, let me hide this stuff. They went in. They fed themselves. They started hiding things. And all of a sudden, there was conviction. Why are we doing this? Let's go back out. See, when you get saved, you come in. You feed yourself. And then God says, now go back out. Go back out and tell somebody that Jesus loves them. Go back out and understand that it doesn't matter what condition you're in. God is working with you. Amen. And go out and tell them. They had something that can take that generation to another level. They were behind the walls panicking. And because these four lepers that people look down on, even that king that was hiding, you're just lepers, you're not going to do nothing. All of a sudden, they fed themselves, and they said, this ain't right. What ain't right? Just sitting in the church. God's got a purpose for you, and the purpose is to take what you got and take it out to others. Amen. And see how God will anoint your life to do that. Something that you have inside of you is, good, is God wants to use it to take that generation to another level. Verse 10 says, they went out. They went out. But in order to go out, you have to get out. Off your seat. See, when you give your best, it creates an appetite. I don't know if you understand that. When you give your best to God, all of a sudden you get an appetite. You know, hey, man, uh, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to keep studying. It doesn't matter how late it is. I'm going to get. Why? Because I got an appetite. When you're only giving 99%, 99.9, you ain't going to get an appetite. Because you're not giving your best. 
God's calling living word here to get up off our seats and say, I'm going to give my best now because we are in the end times and God wants to do more through our lives. When was the last time you were mistaken for an army? When was the last time the devil looked and said, uh-uh. He panicked. Man, they're getting it together now. Oh, they're not doing that every other week. Oh, they're walking in victory now. All of a sudden, the devil starts panicking. And that grip he had on your life is no longer there. Why? Because now the supernatural is taking place. As everyone stands here. Here when you read the story. There in, in verses 11 through 13. They went to the king. And they told the king. Hey the food is out there. Nobody's there. And then what did the king say? The king said. No it's a trap. Some of you God is setting you up. For the next level. But you're afraid. And you say, no, it's not going to work. Everything was there. They, they were free as birds, but yet they were stuck in fear. Their food was there, but yet they were in here starving. And God provided a way out. All they had to do was get out of those walls and trust God. But they didn't. It's almost like going to a supermarket, getting locked in there. And then the next day, oh, here they died of starvation. It doesn't make sense. But how many of us has God called? Maybe you're here and you say, man, I'm volunteering. But God has said, no, get off your seat. Do more. You can do more. Tell your neighbor, you can do more. Tell him again like you mean it. Tell him, you can do more. Remember when the, the famine hit and the enemy's after us, all we got to do is take action and say, devil, I'm not like that no more. Devil, I'm not going to struggle no more. Devil, I ain't got those issues no more. I am a child of God. Amen. I am walking in dominion and authority that God has given me. Maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. Or maybe you backslid. Maybe watching on our live stream and you're saying, man, I, I just need the Lord in my life. If you're here by the uplifting of your hand, I just want to say a prayer for you. If anybody here, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anyone else? The live stream, click the link there. Give us your name. We can continue to pray for you. Those that lift up your hand, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I ask you to wash me with your blood, to cleanse me. And from this day forth, I want to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.